Salam and welcome to our podcast, Muslims on Fire. Stories from ordinary Muslims doing extraordinary things. With your host, Maruf. Dear listener, Based on many requests from our listeners, we are launching a Muslims on Fire Academy. It's for those who want to do more than just listening. It's for those who not only want to be inspired, but to be one of the Muslims on Fire as well. It's for those who want to discover their purpose in life, follow their dreams, and live in prosperity. If this is you, join us for a journey of a lifetime. The introduction course is free. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. Hey, assalamu alaikum. This is Maruf, and welcome to the show, um, you know, Muslims on Fire. Today we have a guest, a friend of mine from Australia, Muhammad, and he's um, uh, he's a internal entrepreneur, but I would say he's a social entrepreneur as well. Today we're gonna deep dive and get get to know him better. So we will invite uh, Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum, bro. How are you? Alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Alhamdulillah. How are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's not been easy to uh, schedule this. You know, you are on the other side of the world, but alhamdulillah, we are here now. Yeah, it's taken a few a few attempts, but uh, alhamdulillah, we are definitely here. Sure. So why don't you start with telling who you are and what you do? You know, briefly. Yeah, I mean, in, in a nutshell, um, I am Australian, Australian-born, uh, father of four amazing children, alhamdulillah, um, and basically I've been working in the humanitarian and community development space um, over the past 16 years, and that's been a passion of mine, and okay. in terms of um, my entrepreneurial side of things, I've uh, ran my graphic design studio for um, about 12 years as well so um, okay. I, I juggle the both at the same time I, I didn't know that so you still run your graphic design thing right now yes 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 I, okay. I've had uh, I uh, had a studio a while back and then kind of uh, phased it down a bit and just kept a small clientele okay and um, just so I can continue on with my community and humanitarian work that's interesting so that's something we have we might have something in common but we'll get into that I guess <laughs> in a Sounds good. Um, so, Muhammad, um, I mean, tell us. Uh, I mean, I know, I know, I, I wouldn't want to be able to tell about your childhood. This is too big, but I, I would just like to know. I mean, looking back right now, if you look at your childhood, what do you actually remember, or what what kind of memories you think you shaped who you are today? That's what you're really interested in. Go ahead. Through my travels, or no? I mean, what I'm saying is like uh, when you like uh, when when you look at your back at your childhood. Right? Ah, yes, my childhood, sorry. Yes. yes. What, what kind of memories comes to your mind or what do you think that shaped you, who you are today? That's what we are really interested yeah. in. I think, honestly, and I had an interview not long ago about that, and they asked the same question. And the, the first thing that pops to my, my mind is being with my father and my uncles at a young age okay. and always going to, going to Islamic dawah meetings and community meetings and being part of that environment um, although I wasn't directly involved in the meeting because I was so young, but just being around that environment, I used to listen to what was going on and hear the conversations. 
um, and regarding the community, whether it's development, whether it's issues, whether it's political. Mm-hmm. I used to sit, sit in those meetings and listen, um, you know, uh, from afar. Mm-hmm. So, and I used, to, I used to enjoy going to those meetings um, and seeing that they're doing stuff for the community and seeing the outcomes of those meetings. So, for instance, if they went to a, a, a meeting about building a masjid, and then years later, praying in that masjid, I can see the fruits of their efforts. And it wasn't until maybe 2002, 2001, 2002, that my kind of passion for that kind of kicked in. And then I related it back to that because I was always around those kind of people growing up. Interesting. So what you're saying is that, well, taking your kids to masjid and all these gatherings, even though you don't, I mean, you didn't probably understand the full capacity of what was going on, but no, you were there in the background, right? That's right. I was, I was passively kind of uh, overhearing the conversations. Okay. Uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't directly hearing them or, or kind of even, like you said, paying attention as mm-hmm. such. It was mm-hmm. more so just being in the environment. And I guess maybe the, maybe the buttercup rubbed off. Who knows? Um, I see. Yeah, it could be, could be a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's very insightful. That's very interesting, you know. Um, very, very interesting. I mean, w- w- what about you now? Like you mentioned, you have four kids, mashallah. Like, um, mm. like, like, I mean, do you also take them to the to masjids or how do they, does it work? I try, I try and get them involved in a lot of the physical activities, okay. in the actions of the actual dial work or the actions of cool. cleaning a masjid, um, the actions of humanitarian works so or volunteering with um, humanitarian aid organizations. Uh-huh. So I, I get them to, um, you know, put, put those into action because I know that these days, I mean, times have changed yeah. and atten- attention spans of, of, you know, children these days are very short. So <laughs> keep keep them, keeping them, yeah, so keeping them busy rather than giving them a lecture or taking them to a talk, keeping them busy whilst giving them little gems of information, it kind of shapes who they are growing up. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. Childhood Questions are sponsored by Ali Huda. Ali Huda is a video-on-demand streaming platform for Muslim children where they can watch cartoons and shows while learning about Islam the fun way. If you are a Muslim parent, this will be one of your best investments. Visit www.alihuda.com for a seven-day free trial. Now back to the show. Sounds good. I mean, yeah. So tell us more. Okay, that's that's what you remember about childhood. So tell us more. Like, you know, one of the interesting things in the show we can ask our guests is that, like, um, you know, there's there's a time, a period, in men's life that you're gonna ask questions like, what am I gonna do? What's my calling? As you always started mentioning, you know, you 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 started working in geos for the last I don't know for you said the ten years something like that. Uh, but sixteen sixteen years now. Okay, well, mashallah, sixteen yeah. years. But I mean, you didn't start like that, right? You actually worked at different organizations before. Can you tell us more about that? How did you end up there, and how you do the transition? That's what I'm yeah, interested in. Definitely. Before I get into that, can I just mention one more thing about um, sure. the children aspect? Sorry, just something came to my mind. Sure. One thing growing up, my father never ever forced me, my mother never forced me to do anything religious. Okay. They always they, they always told me about it. Like they kind of encouraged me, but never forced me to pray. Never forced me to you know to go to madrasa and things like that. So I think that also was a big benefit because I didn't feel you know forced, forced to do something. I, I did it out of passion rather than and love out of that rather than being forced to do it. So I just wanted to um, touch on that because I think that's a very important aspect for our kids and the yeah. way we parent and 
for our kids, inshallah. Teach them to love it rather than to just do it because you tell them to. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so going back to your <laughs> last question, sorry to, to steer no away. Um, so my background, actually, when I left, I never finished high school. I don't have a okay. university. I don't have a university degree. I don't have a college degree. Um, I actually finished. Um, I left high school one year early, mm-hmm. and I was fortunate enough to be able to speak to people in different positions. Um, you know, st- kind of street smart. So I was able to land a job at the bank at uh, 18 years old. Okay, can I? And, so, so one question here. So, look, yeah. when you finish high school, so is it in your in Australia? You have to go to college then, right? A university, yeah. A university. Okay. Well, so what you, you're saying? You guys either or college or university. Yeah, different. yeah. I mean, what you're saying to us that you didn't ever go to college. Some people dropped the college, but you didn't even drop. You didn't even go to college. Is what you're saying? No, I didn't even go to college. I didn't even. <laughs> I didn't finish. I didn't finish school. My my oh. my high schooling. Oh, oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I never finished. I never finished my high schooling. I was, I was growing up a very practical person. I theoretically, I mean, my grades were always outstanding. Alhamdulillah, mm-hmm. but I hated studying. I hated reading. Uh, I was a very kind of. Um, uh, I, I tried to. I tried to find the most easiest but most effective ways possible. Always. Okay. Um, so that that was kind of my my thing in growing up. I, I used to kind of. I never cheated, but I just work out a, a strategy on how to do something in the most shortest period of time, but most effective as well. I and I always had that kind of yeah. So that kind of that's where the entrepreneurial kind of mindset comes into play uh, later on in the years. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah. Go so, ahead. Go ahead. Go back to the go back to the first position. Yeah. End up in the bank. So I want to know now. So how did you end up in the bank? And is it something you you wanted to work there, or it was just out of necessity? What happened there? No, I just uh, I had a few friends that worked there. They got a they got a job there, and they said, "Hey, come work with us." And I thought it'd be pretty cool to hang out with my friends and okay. and get paid at the same time. That's that's the kind of uh, mentality I had. However, I was only customer service role at the bank, oh, and I then we had we had some um, sales targets to meet on a monthly basis, and they were like on a daily basis. Sorry, whereas to get two sales a day, which could be referring someone to get a credit card or home loan or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was averaging about twenty to thirty sales a day, so cool. I got promoted. In within three months of working there, I got promoted twice. I see. And I ended up being a, fi- a mortgage lender. I see. Uh, so I mean, after, here's the thing, Mohammed. So like, I mean, the question is, I guess you got a job at the bank because uh, due to friendship. Because I mean. I mean, I just don't mind asking. Like, look, usually when you go to work to bank, I, I would know the details, but they would ask. They usually usually ask like about your financial background or like, I mean, not the background, but the studies, right? You have to know about finance. Yeah, you? You, well, not necessarily in this in this particular role. It was very entry level. Oh, okay. Um, at the very entry level role, of the bank. Um, but I I knew in the back of my mind that if I was to work hard, I can kind of climb my way up. Okay. Um, so I always had a hustle kind of mentality in the background. I see. So although my friends, they would be cool to work there, I always had that hustle in the back of my mind. Um, so yeah. So anyway, I I ended up being a mortgage lender, and then from I was there for a year and a half. Then went to a different bank into and I I became a business banker. Okay. And and then went to a finance company and was a branch manager at a finance company, and um, yeah. And then I was a I was a manager for Ford, finance afterwards, and then I listened to my first lecture. Which was, okay. <laughs> I was sitting in my office, um, and I was twenty, twenty-two, twenty. I got an email from my uh, my cousin, 
saying, listen to this lecture. And uh, I went to the website. And back then, you know, in 2003, 2004, the, oh, sorry, 2002, there wasn't much on a website. It was pretty much HTML. And there was two, two lectures on there. One was about um, the Quran and the second one was about finance, Riba. Mm-hmm. So I listened to the second one because I thought, well, I, I, I'm in finance. I know finance. So I clicked on it and after 40 minutes, I said to myself, I'm going to Jahannam. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was my, that was my turning point right there. I, I left. I went home that night and it was on my mind all night. And that was also the year I started to fast the very the first time I've ever fasted in my life. That was the first first year I've ever fasted as well. And I just started praying again. I prayed at a young age, but then that particular year I decided to start praying again and take it take it more seriously. And and that was when I said to myself, I need to I need to quit this job and I need to find something halal. So that is a, that is a turning walked, point. That was a turning point in your life, wasn't it? Yeah, that was my turning point. And I walked in the next day to the office and I quit. And I had nothing, no backup. I had no schooling, no degree. All I knew was finance. Um, so I was because I was in finance for about three or four years. And that's all I knew. So, I so mean, until this point, you didn't know anything about this part of the, you know, Islam that, I mean, probably you didn't know much about Islam. In the I mean, no, I you knew, much. right? I, I see. I, I, I never knew about riba. I never knew about any of that stuff. Um had no idea. And I was just living a normal life. You know, I was a good person, but I wasn't, I wasn't um, close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of action. My heart definitely was close, but not in action um, at that point. So, yeah, so it was a big turning point for me. Um, because... it, takes a lot of, it takes a lot of guts, right, to, to hear one lecture, to, to admit that's not something... Yeah. Uh, you know, likable by Osman Salah and taking action. Like, I mean, what I'm trying to wrap my head heads around is that, like, you know, when when you know when something is wrong, right? Uh, and, and taking that, like, internalizing it and taking action, that's that that's that's very tough. Like, how how how, how do you do it? I just I just did it because I after listening to the lecture, uh, I went home and then I started to just you know read a bit more because I had some books at home. I started opening the books to, you know, to understand a bit, bit more about interest. And I kind of came across the, the ayahs and the Quran that kind of that talked about it and the punishments mm. and, and also some of the hadith. And I just, from, just from reading that was enough for me. It was just, that was enough. Although I never understood it in its full, to its full capacity, mm-hmm. I just knew that what I'm doing, because understand also my job was to, to charge people the most highest rate I could possibly get because the, more, the higher the interest rate we charge, the more commission we'd get. Sure. So I knew that I was doing wrong by people already. So I had I that see. feeling already. Oh, at the background, subconsciously, you, you were not feeling... Exactly, exactly. Um, so that kind of... That, so that, with, with that mentality and then listening to the, the Islamic side of things, it kind of was enough for me to say... I need to. I need to move into a move into a direction where I'm benefiting people and not take, take advantage of them um, at, at, at certain points of their life. You you know you know like at this point, like understanding what's 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 right and what's wrong in Islam. Most of the time, it's not the hardest part, right? And the hiding the hardest part is taking action. Like in your case, right. like I understand what you were doing probably was not right, 
But I was saying is it was a it was your livelihood, right? You were, this is how you were making money. Just I mean, cutting off in one day and, and having having this trust and then moving on. I think that's a big challenge. Uh, but that, that, that is what I'm asking. That's what I'm asking. How did you do that part? You know, I, I mean, I, understanding a, the. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say I'm I'm a I'm a risk taker um, in general. So um, I've always always have been uh, leaving you know, you know leaving high school. Um, mm -hmm. that, that was a big risk for me, but I just wanted to do it. When I have my mind set on something, I, I get it done. So, and there's no turning back. Once I, once I, once I lock my mind into something, I do it and I don't turn back. And cool. if it's a stuff up or if it's something, something wrong, I learn from it, I move forward. Sounds and if good. it's the right choice, I'm do that. So the risk itself, um, you know, it, it was, it was for me personally, it wasn't a major risk. Although I had nothing to fall back on, exactly. I knew that if I doing it for this reason there's something going to be there behind the next door for me somewhere i see, I see. that was what kind of the mentality i had and, and the path i took do you struggle with deen and dunya balance in your life meet salam.app a muslim social network where your ego nafs is not in the center it is a place to feed your soul with daily inspiration to make new Muslim friends and connect with Ummah. Visit www.salam.app and download free for your iPhone or Android. Yeah, that's that's very interesting part. Okay, let's, let's move I ahead. Know, so I've, what happened I've there? I've told anyone. This is the first time actually on any interview I've actually said I've talked about this. And so the, the questioning is fantastic, by the way. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. I mean, that, that's the point. Right? We want to get. We don't want to get the canned answer. That's why I didn't give you questions in the head, right? So I want to. I want to get down because I think that that's those transforming moments. That's what people are looking for, you know. Because at the end of the day, trust me, most of us. I mean, every. I would say all of us. We are handle those decisions every single day. We have to take action. How we do that, and to understanding. And Alhamdulillah, thank you for sharing. I know. I'm sorry. I'm asking you, but pushing a little bit. But I think that's. No, I'm I'm more than happy to share because I know that you know that there's someone out there who may be in a similar similar situation, um, or you know they, they they may benefit even one percent from this. So Absolutely. you know if if my experience can benefit someone else, then then so be it, inshallah. Yeah, I mean, in for me, it's, it's very interesting. Like, how do we have do humans take action in this very critical moments? And you know, we can all learn. So thank you for sharing that. So let's move on and and tell us. So you went to the home, you give up your job. What happened then? What did you do then? Um, well, after that, I was, I was, um, I, I went and just got any job just to, just to get paid. So I, I, I was, I was doing fire, um, fire service maintenance. So basically all the fire extinguishers, fire hoses, mm -hmm. smoke alarms. I was just maintaining those ones. A friend of mine worked in a company and he got me a job doing that. Mm -hmm. So I did that for a while just until I found myself, until I really kind of, uh, really understood of what I wanted to do, mm -hmm. and I've always been a good drawer. So I've, I always, you know, drew and I always animated, you know, did cartoons and things like that. Okay. So I came across a a um, a course at college, and when I say college, our college is different to what you mean. Our college is like a um, how can, how can I explain it? We have our our university is your college. Okay. Our college is like one one step before university. Okay. Cool. So there's some college courses about graphic design and web design. So I thought, you know what? Let me let me go and see what this is all about. So I did. I went in there. I learned all the software. Um, 
And within six months, I didn't finish the course. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just learned all the stuff. And then I, 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 I kind of got started advertising what I do. Like I'm a graphic designer, web designer. Mm-hmm. I started getting work. Cool. And from there, from there, I just kept getting more and more work. And then my clientele became the Muslim organizations. So that's how I started to get into the Dawa more and started to get work with the community much more through that, through that line of work. Okay. Okay. I, I saw in your profile, then you, I think at that time, is it, is it that time you started working with some of the NGOs, like charity organizations, Muslim charity organizations? Are there? Not so that was about two years bef- bef- prior to the charity organizations. Okay. Um, at that time, I worked with community or- Dawa organizations. So mm-hmm. I worked uh, I worked with the Masjid, uh, one of the largest mosques in Australia, mm-hmm. and I worked with one of the big centers um, in, in, that, in that center with uh, Sheikh Shadi Suleiman. Okay. Um, so we worked with him for uh, for about six years. I, I was there for, alhamdulillah. So to understand, to understand, you know, for the listeners and for myself better, so. When on daytime you're doing your graphic design job, and under the, yep. in, in the side uh, you are volunteering in this NGO, is it correct? Yeah, that's correct. So okay. in the daytime doing the graphic design, but in, at, the, at the same time doing the graphic design for those organisations as well. Oh, cool! So you are kind of monetizing yeah. your passion at the same time. That's awesome. Exactly, exactly. And then in the nighttime, I'd go to the centres and we'd have youth programs. We'd run youth programs. We'd run dawa talks. We'd run a whole bunch of things and then we'd do mosque tours and things like that. So we had so much activity every night at the masjid, alhamdulillah. Okay, you're fully packed. You're immersed now from being yeah, not immersed, you're fully immersed. All in. <laughs> I see, I see. So, okay. Um, like like then, I think, tell us your transition to like this half-time there, half-time here, but then you did a fully trans- transition, right? Now, as yeah. of today, you, you do full we want to know more that transition period as well. Just go ahead. Yeah. So, um, uh, I have obviously working within the, the masjid and, and some other DAO organizations, you get to know a lot of the community, mm-hmm. um, through those, through those networks. So Alhamdulillah, I got to know a lot of people pretty fast. Um, I started giving khutbah about different masajids and different centers. So you kind of meet some, you kind of get exposed to a lot of people in a very short period of time. Um, and through that network, uh, I met a few beautiful brothers from Human Appeal, Australia. Okay. And, um, and yeah, so I, I got to know them really well, loved what they were, they were about, and they offered me a role um, at the charity, a full-time role. So it was a, for me, it was a, something I'd, I'd love to do, something, you know, humanitarian aid and helping others. So I, think, I said, you know what, I, w- I want to get into this. So I started working with working with them full time alhamdulillah and that was my transition um uh, doing that and i went on to work with them at, at in with two different uh hats on one was a graphic designer role mm-hmm. and the other one was program management because i come from a management background in finance so it was kind of uh, developing and growing my management skills through the organizations um that i was working with human appeal so, is like an international charity organization for those who don't know right they are based in where are they based hq is in uk or us so the HQ is actually in Ajman, in the UAE. That's oh, where the HQ is. I didn't know that. And that's where it started. And then um, it expanded to the UK. There was an office opened in the UK, also in um, in Australia, and a few other places um, as well. But um, so yes, Alhamdulillah, that's that's a human appeal, and they they work. They they've been around for over thirty years. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, sounds good. Continue continue your story. We are we are here to listen. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, so um, so working, yeah, I started working with Human Appeal at the, at, at, as a graphic designer and, and, and a program manager there. And, um, and yeah, so working on, on orphan sponsorship program mainly. And that exposed me to a lot of things, seeing the, uh, you know, the need that our, our, our umma has in so many countries around the world. Mm-hmm. And once I was exposed to that, there was no turning back for me. I, I, I said, this is, this is why I left my finance roles. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what, this is what Allah had planned for me. So from that point on, I was, I was all locked in. I said, that's it. My mission from now on is just to offer myself as walk-off to the community and, and work for the community, inshallah. Sounds good. So, um, um, so right now you're not with the human appeal anymore. Now you have your own NGO, right? It's called Tenfold. Yeah. Uh, your transition to, to Tenfold and what Tenfold does and how is it, what kind of challenge you guys are tackling at Tenfold specifically? Yes. Yeah, so, so during, I mean, still working in humanitarian aid over the years, I was working with uh, Muslim Aid as well, who are also another global organization. Mm-hmm. Yes. Appeal. Um, so I worked with all three major charities uh, over the past uh, 10 to 12 years, actually longer, 14 years now. Um, and during that time, we wanted to also do something ourselves and t- so we can leave a legacy behind, a friend of mine and I. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we saw at the, at the youth centers that we, that we used to help uh, manage was a lot of people that accept Islam and coming to Islam, they needed a lot of um, human resource, which is like a one-on-ones to teach them how to pray, to ask them questions. And like buddies, never, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Partners and buddies. I think we touched on this before when we had a private conversation a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we decided to do was try and come up with a product that can teach them how to pray without needing someone there. That was kind of what we needed to try and work out. And that's where the prayer mat came into place, where it's the step-by-step guided prayer mat that we released and have been running now for 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, along with a booklet and a video. So we did that back in 2009 with the intention just to distribute in Sydney, Australia, just a small distribution, um, you know, just to help people in our community. Mm-hmm. But what had happened is that whilst we're distributing across Sydney, there was some visitors from overseas, some, some from America, some from the UK, and they happened to stumble across it. And then when they got back to their countries, they emailed us saying, we, we need some for ourselves. Hmm. So we sent a batch over to them and we sent them to print files and they printed and they distributed themselves. So we ended up that year distributing 50,000 packs cool. um, in, in four or five years, yeah, the first year. And we were just blown away because that wasn't our intention. So we thought, well, there's, there's something behind this. There's obviously a need and demand for it. We need to really kind of, you know, grow this. So over the years, alhamdulillah, um, we kind of push, we didn't kind of follow up on it only because of our time working with that, with the NGOs and, and being so busy with the NGOs. We never gave it enough justice that, that project, to be honest. Mm-hmm. We just fulfilled some order, like a thousand here, a thousand there. And so we just let it go. Running in the background. So we're happy because we're helping people still. Um, but up until maybe two years ago, um, we had a meeting and we thought, listen, we need, we really need to give this a proper shot and to see how big this can really go. And and that's what we did. We I I made a decision to just uh, have my income from my um, 
from my graphic design work mm-hmm. and offer my time full time in tenfold. And alhamdulillah, over the past two years, you know, we've distributed about uh, sixty thousand more packs. Uh, we've released three or four products. We're now in thirty-eight countries. Um, alhamdulillah, we've grown uh, dramatically. Um, and it comes back down to that entrepreneur mindset, I guess. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you see, you mentioned you mentioned what you mentioned the products. I just I'm just trying to understand it because you see. Uh, like in my case, I'm not, I'm not a, I, I'm not a revert, I guess, or convert, what do you call it? So I'm just trying to put myself in their shoes. So like, look, so I heard that the many Muslims who come to, uh, new Muslims who come to Islam, if they're not supported, as you also mentioned before, I guess, most of them end up leaving, right? So the, your product is actually to tackle one of the challenges. And, and so I just want to understand, so this is a, it's, it's not just a prayer mat. What is it like? Like, it's, can you, can you go into the detail? What's the unique? Unique you know, selling points, I guess. Definitely, definitely. So basically, um, when people come to Islam, or even even someone myself, for in, let me give you, let me give myself as an example first, sure. and then which will kind of make it easier to understand. When I first started to learn how to pray, my cousin she taught me how to pray, but we wrote the steps on a piece of paper. Okay. And a lot of people. Do. So we wrote the steps on a piece of paper, and I'd stand up and read on the paper as I'm standing up and praying. Mm-hmm. And that became very difficult because I had to keep, keep turning the pages and, you know, it became very fiddly. So we thought, how, what if we just put all those steps on one prayer mat? So mm-hmm. it's writing, it's got step-by-step step with, a, with a silhouette of the person with, a, with the actual action as well. So that way you can see what the action is when you're going into that position. So step one, raise oh. your hands. And... It is on the Two. mat, prayer mat, right? The mat. So it's a live visual step-by-step guide on the prayer wow. mat itself it's like a high-tech um, thing <laughs> yeah that's right and it's, it's such a simple simple kind of uh product but it's so impactful because if i had that when i was learning how to pray it would have been much easier and mm-hmm. and then so but then you go to to someone who's a new muslim and even if they're in the majority of them don't come from an arab background so recite mm-hmm. In Arabic is a foreign language to them. It's completely foreign. So they're not even understanding what they're saying, let alone trying to get the pronunciation correct. So we put those, the recitations and all the words of the prayer um, in transliteration in English. So that way they can, cool. they can just read it in transliteration and it's in Arabic. So that way they so th- literally our concept was they can go from not praying to praying in five minutes. I see. Which, That's very beautiful. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Um, so we also, we had that, we had a book accompany with that. So the pack itself was a prayer mat, a book, and then DVD, but obviously mm-hmm. the DVD is no longer, and uh, it's just YouTube videos, um, now, and we've translated that, that D, the actual video, the, what's the step-by-step instruction, the video into seven different languages. And mm-hmm. also the booklet can be downloaded in seven different languages as well on our website. So we, we've kind of uh, adapted and. And, and grew that project a bit more. I see. So I mean, in a nutshell, it's just like a must-have for for every new Muslim, right? Yeah. Right? They try oh, them to pray anyway. Definitely, definitely must-have. And every every person that we've come across that you know, just say they became Muslim three, four years ago, and they see it, the the exact words are, "Oh, I wish I had this when I first became Muslim." <laughs> I see. I mean. I mean, look, so you, you said you already distributed more than 100,000, uh, you know, of this. I want to understand, like, how you how you distribute this, you know? Is it like something that come to you or you you work with the, 
you know, dive organizations? How does it work? So we, the way we get funding is through sponsorships. So anyone can mm -hmm. jump on the website and they can sponsor a pack to be sent out on their behalf. So they'll go on mm -hmm. the site, they'll sponsor a pack, and then we send it out to someone and they get the rewards for it. So our whole, cool. our whole concept is Southern Kajaria ongoing charity. So that mm -hmm. everyone who's part of this project, they get for every person that makes a takbir, every person that says bismillah, every person that reads the fatiha, you get the reward for it every single time they pray. That is something Absolutely. not, that's priceless. That is priceless. Absolutely. So that's, that's, what, that's the offer that we have for people. And that's an offer you can't refuse. You know, you can, <laughs> no, 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 that's true. That's really an offer you can't refuse. You know, and it's only, it's only $15 Australian, $14.95 Australian to sponsor someone, which is about, I see. Not even, I bet, $9 US. So for $9, I see. $9 yeah, US, you can teach someone how to pray and you get their rewards for the rest of their life. Like that's, <laughs> that's a good deal. That's massive for $9. That's huge. Yeah. Um, so we, we had that concept. We thought, okay, we want to get people involved. We want to share the reward. And that's how we share the reward, number one. And how we distribute it is that over the years, we've connected with so many organizations around the world who uh, – Michelle are doing amazing work. So what we do is that we, through the sponsorships, say for instance we get a thousand sponsored, we'll get that we'll get a thousand pounds to send them across to the organisation, and we'll mm -hmm. ask the organisation just to pay for the shipping costs, and that's pretty much it. Sure. Um, and that's and yeah. as, as long as they pay for the shipping, they get the packs for free and they distribute it, and that's that's how we work basically. Or sounds good. Individuals they jump on the line, jump on um, jump on the website, and they can actually order the pack for free for themselves. And they just pay for their own shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, like I, I assume you already worked with many charity organizations. I mean, they're not the dive organizations all over the world already, yeah. right? You probably know all of them, like Ayura in UK. It's one of our biggest and, ones that we work with because yeah. they also have a big global reach. They're in every country. So alhamdulillah, yeah. we work with their organizations and also their sub organizations in different countries. Alhamdulillah. Cool. Cool. You know what? After the call, um, and there is there was a last year I attended this Dawa organization. I didn't know it existed. It's called I think Hidayah Foundation. Do you know them from Malaysia? Yes, Hidayah. We actually work with Hidayah in Malaysia. Cool. So Alhamdulillah, we actually visited their offices uh, last year um, uh, in Malaysia, mm -hmm. and uh, we we work with them and we distribute through them. In Malaysia as well. I, will, I just want to connect you with you with him. Uh, if you didn't know, but mashallah, you already <laughs> know almost yeah, everyone. Alhamdulillah. That's good. Alhamdulillah. Okay. But, yes, um, go ahead. I was just saying in Malaysia as well. Alhamdulillah, we work with Ipsi, who are another big organisation that run from Penang, mm -hmm. and they they work close to Zach and Nike and uh, other people like uh, Brother Fridos Wong, and uh, mashallah, they strong day is in the Malaysian community. Mashallah. If you are an entrepreneur with a product or service for the Muslim market, let's get in touch. We are Halal.ad, a marketing agency and ad network for the ever-growing Muslim market. We can help you reach millions of Muslims to grow your business. Visit www.halal.ad for a 30-minute free consultation. Now back to the show. Yeah. I mean, you're tapping into the one of the topics I'm, I'm kind of really interested in is that the new Muslims, right? When when the Muslims mm -hmm. come, so what is what, after Shahada? What is the what's 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 happening after Shahada? Because most of us get happy, we see Allah Akbar or you know clap when they become, and and the the, the day after that is uh, 
is silence. Oh, right? right? <laughs> you know, you know yeah. that. So I, I think, so I think you're tackling one of the issues. Like, okay, let's have them pray. I mean, as you also mentioned, you, that there should be a buddy system. And and what do you think? What else is, do you think we could do to help uh, new Muslims? We have we have also like a 90 day journal that we we that we've put together. Um, purely because a lot of the times, as, as we mentioned before, they don't have anyone to talk to. They don't have, you know, they feel that they're, they, they're just left one community and they're joining a new community. But a lot of the times the new community are busy with their own things and they don't, it's not that they don't want to help, it's just that they, they, they're already preoccupied with so many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we put together like a journal so that way at least they can document their development over the first 90 days. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's not a solution for everything, but it's something that we're trying to offer in a pack to kind of assist them in uh, in their new kind in in, in their new journey of uh, of religion and, and and life and spirituality. There needs to be more. Mm-hmm. There definitely needs to be more. Um, is there a solution? I mean, one of the easiest solutions is that the local community centers and the and the DAO organizations and the masjids they have some sort of structure because. It is a grassroots level. Yes. Um, most, most definitely. I mean, that is the most ideal scenario. However, having an online platform, I mean, we're all connected these days. I mean, <laughs> we, we connected through online platforms. Um, and you know, that's how we got talking today even. Yeah. So there's, we, we have that, that, that availability. So we should be able to create something, uh, whether it's like an online community, online platform that, that connects that connects the new Muslims um, to other people, so that way they can kind of bounce off one another to talk about issues that's, or challenges they're facing. That's exactly why I was going. That's where I'm heading. Right? I was actually asking you the question: Is that look? So we we are in the background. I guess we are we are just launching this this platform. One of the things is we wanted to focus on new Muslims, but you mentioned you see after they 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 after they you know accept Islam. Best first thing we can do is personal health. We understand it, but sometimes in some communities, it's it is it's not even possible or feasible, right? So I think That's the right. next next thing is could be the as you mentioned, the online community and connecting, uh, you know, local Muslims, right? It doesn't have to be shuuk, right? We're not we don't even have time, so it could be a local Muslim, one kindly, friendly soul who's trying to you know help out from time to time right. for the new Muslim. That could be a good start, wouldn't it? Like a buddy That's system. How- most definitely, it could be like an Uber for new Muslims, like you know. <laughs> Uber, new Muslims. Yeah. I like the idea. Can it connect them to the closest Muslim yeah. <laughs> that's willing to help? I do like you know? the idea, <laughs> and that's something you can do on this platform. Because I, yeah. I was talking about this yesterday with someone. We're today we're in a society where we don't like waiting. We like to see if we if we like. We want to see where our driver is. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> want to see what's happening we don't want to be we want to be in control of everything so i mean that, that's the system to have i guess uh, i like so. the idea i like the idea yeah. New Muslims. yeah okay i mean so look um one of the i think the next question you actually you answered so but i'm going to ask you so maybe you take it differently so one of the things in life is as muslim you know is that uh, usually the you know people ask work-life balance, but for us it's not more, not more like a more like work-life, but it's much much more like dunya in the balance, right? How do you balance it in your in your case? Yeah, I mean it's not easy to be honest. Um, anyone anyone that works in the community sector or NGO sector know that it's a very challenging role. 
Mm-hmm. It's um, it takes a lot from you mentally, emotionally, physically, um, because you see things that other people don't see. Mm-hmm. Um, generally speaking, you get so many videos that from the ground, you know, after after a devastation or after something, you know, and you obviously can't put these videos and pictures out because they're too just you know they're too disturbing. Yeah. So that affects you. Number one. Number two, um, the demand on 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 the NGO workers it's it's quite high because it's such a it's always there's always a there's always a catastrophe there's always something happening so you always have to drop everything in mm-hmm. and kind of change and, and do things uh, on on the go so it does become a lot of uh, intense work uh, the way I balance it is I do get my family involved as okay. well um, because that allows them me to be with them uh, at certain times. So whether if it's a charity dinner, I make sure they volunteer and they're around me. Um, if I'm if like with tenfold with with packs, I get them to pack and and write the addresses with me together, and we we send out some individually. So we kind of that's like kind of a bonding time. Cool. Um, but most importantly, I do I do believe and I, and I do practice that as well. You need to stop and make time for the dunya as well, which you know your family because that also is your effort. Sure. That's something we have to keep thinking about. The dunya is also a preparation for akhirah. So, um, you know, don't I don't think people should kind of separate the two, dunya akhirah. I think they should just say we're just living because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us and the deen is so easy. It's an easy thing for us to follow. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be difficult. It shouldn't be confusing. It shouldn't be hard. Um, it should be easy for us to follow. So we need to create that. That, that work-life balance, um, no matter what you do, whether it's community work or, or you know, in the corporate sector, um, you need to just stop. And, you know, that we have a saying, I'm not sure if you have it overseas, stop, revive, survive. I'm not sure if, you have, if you've heard this before. In Australia, uh, when you go on long trips, they tell us to stop, revive, and so that way we, we can survive and not have an accident. Okay, so that's new. The same concept. You need to stop, revive yourself, so that way you can keep going. Because if you don't, you're going to burn yourself out. I see. I mean, that's very insightful. Um, to, 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 you know, to kind of, uh, fi- as a final note, do you think a question I might have, I should have asked, maybe I didn't, is there anything you want to, would like to share with the, with the listeners as, as a final yeah. talk? Yeah, definitely. Two things I want to share. Number one is never doubt yourself. If you think you, if, if you want to do something, take a crack. Do it because you don't want to end up living your life saying, oh, only if I did this, only if I did that. Mm-hmm. And when I say, but when I say do it, I, I mean do it in a, in a calculating risk. Don't just uh, don't do what I do, <laughs> did and just stopped everything. And <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't have any regrets. I don't. But not everyone can do that. And I'm not saying I'm better than anyone. It's just that some people are willing to take that risk. They're, they're okay with the outcome. But some people, you know, I've seen I've seen in the past some entrepreneurs they listen to some videos and they they stop what they're doing they leave their job to go and to go and do Amazon full time and then they're depressed because they're not making any money. Mm-hmm. So take a calculated risk. You know mm-hmm. um, they gen- generally say if you're going to do something on the side uh, until you've covered your salary, don't leave your job. That's true. That's number one. Uh, number two, uh, sorry, three things. Number two. Um, Get involved in the community work and cleanse your heart. Cleanse, you know, cleanse your time. Put butterca. That will put butterca in your wealth, in your health, in your time, in your family, because you're giving back. 
mm-hmm. definitely I'll, I'll tell everyone to either try and uh, you know volunteer with an with an organization um, and get to understand what goes on in the background. Uh, it's not just you know the fundraising dinners. There's so much more happening in the background and get involved and c- get connected because that will really humble you as a person and ground you. Uh, and I think everyone needs that. And number three is get your children involved. Get your yes. children involved on your page. Um, I can't I can't really emphasize on that any more than I, I I can't stress on it enough. Having your children around uh, around the community, around the the humanitarian aid work, it also humbles them growing up. And they will remember that when they when they're old enough to remember it, they'll they'll look back and they'll that will kind of rub off on them, inshallah. So always expose your kids to those beautiful surroundings, inshallah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, I mean, like, is a, uh, thank you for your time. But can you tell us, like, where the listeners can find out about your project, about you know, follow you on the social networks? Just quickly mention them, and you know, we also put them, of course, in the show notes, inshallah. Of course. So um, if you want to follow me personally, uh, you can go to Instagram, and the handle is just at Muhammad Quaden. Uh, and also same with Facebook, just at Muhammad Quaden. And for Tenfold, if you go to the website, tenfold.ngo. And that's the same handle for YouTube, for, for Instagram and Facebook as well. Sounds good. Uh, Muhammad, thank you very much for your time again. And until oh, we see you, you, I say, Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum assalam Dear listener, based on many requests from our listeners, we are launching a Muslims on Fire Academy. It's for those who want to do more than just listening. It's for those who not only want to be inspired, but to be one of the Muslims on Fire as well. It's for those who want to discover their purpose in life, follow their dreams, and live in prosperity. If this is you, join us for a journey of a lifetime. The introduction course is free. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. For show notes and questions for episodes, please visit www.muslimsonfire.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like our show, please rate, share with friends, and leave a review. With your help, it will enable us to reach more people and change their lives for the better. Stay tuned. Until next time, Assalamu Alaikum. <laughs>